Gracious Father, we are so grateful to come into your presence and give you our worship this morning. You're the God who sent your Son among us to live and to die and to take our place on the cross. And for that, we give you praise and glory. And we shout, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and take your word. Let it become life-giving to us today. Pray that through your grace you would transform us more and more into the image of our Savior. Give us, I pray, a greater vision today of what that looks like. And so we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do what you long to do in our midst. May we receive through Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, actually, it's an uh, an Acts that Dustin read in chapter 4, but the greater context begins in chapter 3, and so I want to set the stage to see then what's going on in the passage that we're going to unpack this morning. So Acts chapter 3 begins with this amazing scene. John and Peter are walking into the temple, and as they're going in, they see this man who was begging at the gate. And he, it says he was lame, so he couldn't walk, and he couldn't walk since birth. And so this man had been there week after week, year after year, begging. And as Peter and John see him, Peter stops and says these profound words, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Now, hundreds, thousands of people probably walked past this man all these years. But Peter and John stop and they see him. And Peter says, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And this beggar got up and he began to walk. An amazing scene. And the people were just in awe, some of them. (laughs) The religious leaders were not in awe. They were actually furious. Furious that that they had mentioned the name of Jesus and and, and all that was happening. And, and, And Peter then begins to give testimony to the resurrection of Jesus in their presence. And I want you to hear the words that Peter said. We read this in Acts 4, verses 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to all around, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Now, that's a pretty startling act, right? Jesus, I mean, um, Peter healing this man through Jesus. But there's something else that's going on that I think is so shocking. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, remember that? When Jesus was arrested, Peter's in the garden, and three different people asked, do you know him? And he said, no, I don't know this man. And he denied him three times. Look at Peter now. I want you to look and see what a life changed by the resurrection does, what a life filled with the Holy Spirit does to someone. 
Peter now proclaims the gospel with unashamed boldness. He's an amazing witness because of what he has seen and encountered. It changed his life. What's interesting here is that Peter and John were arrested because of this event. And they were told by the religious leaders and other authorities never to speak the name of Jesus again. But could they? No, they couldn't, they couldn't follow what they said. And so with unashamed boldness, they said, no, we can't help but do it. They were ultimately let go. But I want you to see what's happening here. In the midst of intense persecution, them told to be quiet, they couldn't be quiet. In fact, we read this in Acts 4, verse 2. Peter said, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You know why? They didn't just see it or hear it. They encountered the resurrection for themselves. And they encountered the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about that scene and I think about us here in Little Rock in 2021. You and I don't face near the opposition that Peter and John and the other early followers of Jesus faced. Yet listen, I think that there are few Christians who are as bold in their witness today as John and Peter were back then. What I want to do this morning is pose one question and then unpack it. Where is the boldness in the church today? Friends, where is the boldness in the church today? I read this scene in Acts and I'm amazed at Peter in particular who denied Jesus, yet now he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Because the resurrection changed him. Because he knew he was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a boldness. Now, not an obnoxiousness. <laughs> we know what that looks like, don't we? Some of us have been there. But no, this is a boldness. And so I want to pose the question, where is the boldness in the church today? And then what does it look like to recognize where we are? And how do we move into a greater calling as witnesses for Jesus where we are. When I think of that question, where's the boldness today, I'm reminded of a book that I read called Acts for Today. It was written a number of years ago by Michael Green. It talks about the book of Acts. And in here, he, he hits at that question, where's the boldness in the church today? Here's what he writes. He wrote, we have so little understanding of the awesomeness of Calvary so little real conviction about the divinity of the one who suffered there that our hearts are not warmed and we do not move out in the power of that love. We frankly do not believe that men and women without Christ are, any, are in any serious need whatsoever. They're perfectly all right as they are. We must not invade their privacy by telling them about our faith. We have little compelling conviction that it is our responsibility Little sense of privilege that the Lord entrusts this thrilling commission to us. We have no clear vision of a waiting world and a risen Savior longing to reach it through his church. And as a result, we in the West have a modern church which knows little about the joy of evangelism and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think he nailed it. When I think about where's the boldness in the church today, I think Green hit it right head on. 
One of the first things he said was this, we have so little understanding of the awesomeness of Calvary. I think about that statement. I think about those of us in this room, those who are watching online. Most of us know about Calvary, don't we? We know that on the cross, Jesus died. But I think one of the great problems is this. While we know about that, we are not encountering it every day. We're not experiencing the reality of Calvary in our lives every day. When I think about where's the boldness in the church today, I wonder this, have we allowed Calvary to become ordinary? You know, we celebrated Easter a few weeks ago and it was an amazing celebration. And a few weeks later, how much have you thought of the resurrection? (laughs) How much have you thought of the last two or three weeks about the cross. I wonder if you have allowed the gospel to become ordinary in your life. Friends, let me tell you this. Every day, Calvary ought to be awesome in our eyes. Every day, the cross ought to be so amazing to you and me. You know, we sang about it in in the song of celebration a a minute ago. I love this. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. Did you really believe those words that we sang? It is amazing grace that that Jesus took your place and my place on the cross. And he was nailed there for us. You see, he shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven. Two weeks ago, I was standing behind the table serving at communion, I, and I had just taken the bread and the wine. And as I stopped for a moment, I heard Jesus say so clearly. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, but the Holy Spirit so spoke the words I believe Jesus wanted me to hear. And he said these words. He said, Robert, my blood was real, you know. He said, as it poured out of my body, it covered you. And as it covered you, it made you whiter than snow. And he said, that's who you are now. Friends, that's the reality of Calvary. If we really believe that the blood of Jesus is real, then what we need to understand that it has covered us and it has made us whiter than snow. Now, friends, that's something to stand about. That's something to, like that lame man who was healed, he began to dance. We don't dance in the church. We need to. We need to stand, we need to dance, we need to sing and shout because Jesus has forgiven and we are made clean by his blood. Friends, Calvary has got to be real to you and me every single day. You know, we need to wake up in the morning and be reminded of the blood of Jesus on the cross that what it really means is I'm forgiven Because I would gather some of you brought a lot of shame in here this morning. Some of you come in this morning with guilt. Some of you come in this morning weighed down. But I want you to hear because of the blood of Jesus, we're forgiven. And you can stand clean, spotless. That's what Calvary does for you and me. And friends, I believe that we need to be thinking about Calvary when we wake up. In the middle of the day, we need to pause and we need to think about the cross. 
We need to go before the cross and see what can we can repent of already in the day. Because there are a lot of things I already have to repent of. And we lay our heads on the pillow at night. We need to think about the cross and give thanks to the Lord for his grace in the day. Friends, that is life for you and me. When I think about the awesomeness of Calvary, I think about what Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, in the context of this scene, as he's sharing the gospel message, he says to them, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sin may be blotted out. Amen. And then he goes on and he said this, That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Do you need refreshing this morning? Did you come in here with any kind of weight, burden, things that are holding you down? I know what that's like. But I also know what Calvary's like. Because when we bring those to the cross, you know what? Jesus takes those burdens and he places them on himself so that you and I can stand tall and walk free knowing that Jesus is leading the way. Friends, that's the beauty and power of Calvary. And let me tell you, the the longer I soak in God's Word, the more I realize if we're going to really understand Calvary, this thing, this book cannot sit on a shelf. It has got to be so real. We've got to be digesting it, feeding on it, meditating in it, sitting in silence and let God speak to us through it. You want to talk about a life change. That's the life of a man, a woman, a child saved by the blood of Jesus. You want to talk about boldness in the church? It's when the cross becomes real for you and me every single day. That's the first thing I want us to see. As we continue to ask the question, where's the boldness in the church today? Michael Green said this. He wrote, We frankly do not believe that men and women without Christ are in any serious need whatsoever. They're perfectly all right as they are. We must not invade their privacy by telling them about our faith. I think a lot of us have bought into that lie. That we need to not tell people. That we need to let them just be. That we need to just respect where they are and not, and, and not speak something that might, they might find offensive. Because I think that's one of the greatest lies that the enemy is putting before us. And many of us have bought into this lie. Friends, you and I need to know, left to ourselves, we are not okay. That's why Jesus gave his life on the cross. We're not okay. A week ago, or a couple of weeks ago, Dustin and I were visiting with Don and Donna Blair. Many of y'all know them. They lead our Growing in Grace, our gig recovery ministry. And we went over, we're talking with them about when gig can start back again, hopefully in the fall. And as we were talking, we just also sat there and celebrated. We celebrated the reality that that so many men and women addicted to drugs and alcohol come into St. Andrews and they find it as a place of grace and healing. It's a place where all are welcome and they know it. But you know what? As we were talking, we realized, no, it's not just about addicts of, of drugs and alcohol. That's where we often go. But the reality, friends, we're all addicted. For some, it might be drugs. For others, it might be alcohol. For others in this room, it's going to be success. It's going to be money. You're going to be addicted to what people think of you. 
We all have addictions. And if Calvary is going to be real, we need to realize none of us are okay. But by the blood of Christ, we are made whole and clean. We are healed. Friends, you and I have a message to share. We have a message. We have a story. You have a story. I know some of your stories. I don't know all of your stories, and I don't know the whole thing. But every one of us in this room has a story. And there's a story of redemption there. There's a story of grace. There's a story of healing. That's the message you bring to others. You know, so often we think, I I don't know what to say to others. I don't know what it would be like to be a bold witness because I don't know what to say. No, that's not true. You do because you share your story. You share with people right where you are. And friends, I will tell you this. It's not about invading their privacy. It's about loving them where they are. You see, it's not about coming with some obnoxious words to stir somebody up, but it's coming to see the people around you as Jesus sees them. And can I tell you how he sees them? He sees them as made in his image. When we see people made in God's image, no matter who they are, what they've done, what they're doing, we're going to see them as Jesus sees them. We're going to begin to love them as he loves them. And you know what? He's going to give us words to say. And we're going to enter their world and we're going to learn their story. And you're going to realize, no, I'm not invading their privacy. I'm loving them right where they are. Friends, that's a picture of what it looks like to be bold in your witness. See them as Jesus sees them. Love them as he loves them. Enter their world. Get to know their story. And I can assure you, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say, words of truth that will change their life, (laughs) that will bring them the hope that you and I know. Friends, you and I have to understand as we look at this passage, John and Peter were people of a message of hope. You and I have a message today, a message of salvation, a message of life, a message of a new way. And as I mentioned before, it's not rocket science. Sometimes we think, I don't know if I can say the right words or if I can articulate the gospel clearly enough. When you read, and I want to encourage you when you leave today, read Acts chapter 3 and 4, and you'll see the words that Peter preached, and you'll go, huh, that's not rocket science. (laughs) He's just telling them what he saw. He's just telling them who Jesus was and what he's done. And that's exactly what you and I get to do. You know, at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus commissioned his followers, commissioned the disciples with these words in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. They had a new calling on their lives. The same is true for you and me. It's the same commission. It's to go and make disciples. That's what it means to go with a boldness about proclaiming who Jesus is and what he came to do. You see, so often we think that our calling in life is our vocation. It's the work that you're doing. It's the job you have, whether you're home with kids or you're out in the workplace, you're retired, whatever it is. We think, okay, that's my calling. But friends, you and I need to say, we we have a greater calling. Our greater calling is that you and I would be witnesses, witnesses, people who share a testimony 
of who Jesus is. We have been redeemed. We are instruments. As Paul Tripp so beautifully put it, we are instruments in the Redeemer's hands. Your life is so much greater than this little world that you often live in. (laughs) Mine is greater than the small world that I often live in. And what makes it greater is when we see our greater calling every day to have opportunities to give testimony of the Savior who rescued us and redeemed our lives from the pit. You see, this boldness doesn't come from us trying to muster something up. So don't think, okay, I've just got to go do this and I can do it. Here's where the boldness comes from. Acts 4, verses 29 to 31. This is part of the scene where Peter and John had been arrested. They've been set free. They've gone back to their friends, telling them the account of what had just happened. And here's what they said. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God boldly. Where does the boldness come from? Friends, it comes from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's where boldness comes from. But I think we in the church have forgotten. We've forgotten the greatest gift that we've been given because of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, that's resurrection power. I love what Paul puts it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And so you want to talk about where does the boldness come from when you're talking to a friend when, when you're at the checkout stand and you have an openness to the Holy Spirit speaking to you to say words to the person right next to you, that's not you doing it. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And we need to come with an openness and an expectation every day. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit empowering us, emboldening us with words that we never thought we would say but words that the Spirit is moving in our midst, in our lives, and in the lives of those around us. I want to close just with this verse. So when Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, you know, he's with his disciples in that upper room, and he's telling them that the Holy Spirit, he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. And here's something so important that we need to see. This is John 15, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father the spirit of the truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. Don't miss that. You see what he said? He will testify. Friends, it's the Holy Spirit speaking in us and through us to the people around us. We don't need to fear. We need to be shaken out of our apathy for sure. And we need to stand up as emboldened men and women with a message of life to share to a world longing to know real freedom, to know real life. Amen? So may you be emboldened by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit alive in you to walk with a new step ahead trusting that he will give you words to say 
Friends, step out in faith. Don't, don't leave it for the person sitting next to you. Rise up and live into this calling. And you will find new, renewed joy and purpose like never before. The resurrection invites us to a new journey, a new life. And Jesus emboldens us with his spirit. Friends, let us be a church at St. Andrews that we are known in the years ahead, not as people who are just meek and quiet and mild, but as a people who are bold for Jesus because we've got a message to share and it set you free and he'll use it to set others free. Amen. Father, take these words, the power of your spirit. I pray that you fill us afresh today. We ask for this grace. We need to be emboldened. We want to be emboldened. Come Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring life to this community. In Christ's name, amen.